welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and I am so happy here today to be joined by Dana Lynn Anderson. Um, And we will get to the multiple talents that she has, but I will just take a moment to acknowledge this beautiful soul that I have in front of me. I have had such technical difficulties. We were supposed to start this 45 minutes ago, and my computer just completely uh, kicked off some weird thing where it didn't rec- I, I We did some sort of quantum time flip, and it thought that my password was something that it must have been for a blink of an eye, like two years ago is what I, I've picked up. And uh, so I couldn't get my computer to work, and She's just been so gracious and patient. I just want to acknowledge, thank you so much for... Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But I'll give you a proper introduction now. So Dana is a multimedia artist, writer, playwright, and teacher. And she has taught and exhibited on three continents. She holds a master's degree in consciousness studies from John F. Kennedy University And she uses art as a catalyst for seeding evolutionary ideas. She's been shown in venues such as the California Institute of Integral Studies and the Institute of Noetic Sciences, where she was an artist in residence. And her artwork has been featured on the covers of books and journals internationally, and her visionary thinking has been explored in newspapers, radio, and television. So... Welcome, Dana. What a blessing to be connected with you here. Thank you. I'm so thrilled. I'm so excited to be connecting with you too and through our mutual friend. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I, I want to share how it came to be that we're together today because I find it so much fun. So I actually first met you back in 2017, and we're recording this in 2021. Um, I took a little mini retreat at Ananda Assisi in um in Italy. So first of all, what an amazing place Ananda Assisi is. Um I remember when I first arrived, I'd never been someplace like that before. I hadn't been to like a spiritual center or anything like that. And I was just starting to kind of I was on the path to Korea, but I'd done everything virtually up to that point. And I remember when I first arrived and I was waiting outside for things to start and I saw cats and, and a dog and they were almost like the, I had met like the woman who'd shown me my room and everything, but they really, the, these animals were the first sort of interaction that I had and they were like sparkling. It was really <laughs> strange. I was like, clearly these animals like spend a lot of time outdoors. I have never seen animals that are just like lit up in this way where they just had this light to them. They were like luminous. It was amazing. And I was like, oh my goodness, if the animals are like this, I can't wait to meet the people. (laughs) Totally. And so I took a class with a beautiful soul called Morella and she actually gave me my first proper healing session. I'd never Mm -hmm. had a healing session before and she was my teacher, but she also did these sessions and, and it was incredible. The things Mm -hmm. that I was thinking about it after we, you and I connected, and I was like, my goodness, the things like in retrospect that she told me that I didn't know 
you know, mm. uh, were astounding. And um, so anyway, uh, right as I was leaving this the weekend, my weekend retreat, I was sitting outside waiting for my ride. And I don't even remember how we came together. But the next thing I know, I'm talking in English, which was actually a nice break from the weekend, uh, to this really beautiful artist with these amazing feather earrings. I think they were feather earrings. They stick out. Yep, so I'm sure. Yes. And you were so vibrant. Yeah, I see there's, there is some feather something going on today too. Um, but you were so vibrant and friendly and open and it was just this cherry on top of this remarkable weekend, this like standalone kind of event that I had in, in my life that was sort of the really early on in my spiritual development. And so that was how I just met this, this really open, beautiful American artist. And, um, and then Jayanti, who I started this podcast with, we who co-hosted this with me, um, was talking, I mean, she has brought you up several times as I've talked to her and she keeps mentioning, you know, this Dana Assisi and she's American and, and I'm like putting these things together and finally I'm like, I think I've met her. Like, how is that? How does that work? But I think I know who you're talking about. I think I've met her. And, um, anyway, so, so Jayanti Alessandra, um, she's been working with you to dive deeper into her spirituality and healing via art. And so it's just been, and she mentioned like, maybe you should have Dana on. And, and so, and then you and I have been reconnecting over email and it's just been really beautiful and divine. And, um, and I'm just so excited that you're here. How much fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great story of synchronicity and also kind of like ripeness of timing and how often, you know, certain things are seeded and then like a year or two or five years or whatever, you know, it comes to fruition and you feel the resonance back with what first planted it. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a great way to to explain it. So. So that's just a little bit of fun background that um, of of synchronicity. Love that. So let's move to talking about you um, and talking about your creations. So I'd like to start with emissary um, mm-hmm. because I read that I read a quote um, that works such as emissary, which is phenomenal, by the way. I mean, it's captivating. Um, I'll I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Um, But anyway, what I read was works such as emissary are impregnated with numinous symbols emanating messages from an ancient future. And I find (laughs) this so intriguing. So can you I'd love to explore a little bit the symbols and what you mean about an ancient future. Sure, absolutely. Um, Yeah. And there's a lot to say about ancient future. I don't remember if I mentioned about the performance piece we did called ancient future. Okay. I'll have to tell you about that too, but I'll start with emissary. Emissary was a very amazing piece because for me personally, um, because I 
had been working on a book, which um, I kind of have books in the back burner a lot of times. And it was, I was thinking a lot about the evolution of consciousness because I have my, as, as you mentioned, I have my master's degree in consciousness studies and I'm an artist, but I'm also like a philosopher thinker, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm, I remember discovering Plato and going, yes, my language, yeah. you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> I just love it. So I was getting, um, I was thinking about it a lot and I, and I started to ask the question, um, what does humanity need to do in order to take the next step in our evolution? Like what is the, what is the next catalyst or step or what's emergent at this, at this moment? And, and because I was focusing so heavily and so intensely, I think that's, um, as I, you know, uh, have come to know through the years, that's like putting the lightning rod up for inspiration, you know, mm-hmm. and it comes to you through whatever your modality is or whatever your, um, you know, if you're Einstein, that rod, the lightning rod brings in theories of energy and mass, you know, and if you're a seamstress designing clothes, it brings in pictures of new garments that have innovative ideas. Well, for me, it was answering that question. And I had a very astonishing experience that I actually haven't shared very much. And I think part of the reason I haven't is because I, I don't want to, um, I don't know, like, I don't know why. Well, I won't even answer that. Okay. I'll just tell you, it was, it was pretty intense and, and astonishing. So I was laying in bed asleep. And it was as if a meteor was coming from very far away and, and landed in my spiritual eye and, and exploded with light. And I sat up in bed and I saw in front of me this three-dimensional being with symbols floating all around that being in the, in the air, so to speak, you know, like, and, and this, and the shape itself was, as you see an emissary, it's like a spine with a field and then kind of a nimbus, right? Like a halo. Mm. And it's, and I hear these words in order for humanity to take the next step in their evolution. um, You, uh, you must remember the symbols that came before the sun you must remember the symbols that came before the sun. And I did not know what that meant. And I've explored it through the years and I have ideas about it. Um, But I was very compelled to paint it right away. And it dovetailed through synchronicity and how this works in the universe. (laughs) God has a plan. Um, Through my being able to have um, the ultimate artist retreat at my friend's studio. He had an awesome studio in Denver and he was going away. And it was like, for the artist, it was like the Ritz Carlton because it was like a a top floor of a big warehouse building (laughs) with tons of space. And, um, And so I went and I painted what I could remember. And so what I remembered were these symbols from like, and they felt like they were from the past and the future. Like there were one that was kind of like a Navajo Kachina kind of symbol. And then there were these others. And as I'm working, I'm like, wow, these are like different language symbol systems. And they're coming from different, different parts of the known universe, other galaxies or whatever. And I even noticed this one 
that was like an evolution like here's this language early on and here's this language as it goes further in time and it was a, mm -hmm. this series of circles and and dots very much like crop circles actually very mm -hmm. much like crop circles and so it kind of felt to me like this sort of rosetta stone of of information and um in the form of symbols and so since working on that uh what i have come to to feel is that, um, you know, symbols are in a way uh, the, the, the form or the vehicle on the causal plane. Like in the astral plane, it's light and color and energy patterns. And on mm -hmm. the physical plane, we all know what that is, you know. Um, but on the, on the causal level, it's often symbols. And I even read somewhere that the bodies of beings on the causal plane are archetypal symbols. I'm like, well, that's kind of a trippy thought. But mm -hmm. I mean, and I don't know, but I feel like it has to do with that. And then later, and I think it must have been like two years later, I had another vision. And in this vision, I... Um, you know, and when I say vision, it's kind of like something that just suddenly disrupts ordinary reality and, and becomes very vivid in mm -hmm. relationship to ordinary reality. Like it's more colorful. Yeah. <laughs> ordinary reality is a little more. And so in this vision, I saw these scrolls that were like the um, Ark of the Covenant or the, you know, the Akashic records, but they were in a scroll form. And so a scroll has two... Um, how would you describe it? There's two places that it's rolling, right? Mm -hmm. Like the ones that are uh, the old traditional ones. Mm -hmm. And as it was, as um, the scroll was there and there was this light shining through these symbols. So the symbols were like, as if they were, that was the part cut out and behind it was this intense light that was uh -huh. animating the symbol. And in the vision, the scroll was turning and the symbols that belonged to the current and previous era were things like the sign of Taurus and Aries and um, kind of like uh, solar king, patriarchal, um, Egyptian pharaoh, just some these sort of uh, symbols that were activating a certain reality. And as it turned, those symbols just went dark because they're going into the fold of the uh, of the past and new symbols were being activated and this light started shooting through like the more age of Aquarius kind of symbols that were then being activated. And what I could experience was um, that, that there is a seeding of the collective of humanity that comes from higher order intelligence. Because, you know, Jungian theory and all the people who are at least open to the collective mind or being outside of the little narrow conscious mind, you know, mm -hmm. in Western tradition, it's still primarily pre-conscious or unconscious. And so it's archival. It comes from the past. It, it's archetypes come from rep repetitions in the past, mm -hmm. right? Because humanity has thought this many times. There's this sort of elemental mythic structure or Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey and mm -hmm. different kinds of things that convey that through sort of repetition or through morphogenetic fields a la um, Sheldrake or whatever, you know, there's these deep-seated archetypes. But the revelation is there's also profoundly deeply 
depleted archetypes that come from the superconscious. They come from the future. They come from the not yet revealed. They're emergent and they're emergent in humanity as sparks for new layers of, of awakening and experience. And so my favorite word of all time is zeitgeist. I just love that word. That is a great word. Yeah. And, um, and I feel like there is really, truly a spirit of the times that just gets absolutely catalyzed in certain moments. And I'll, I'll share from my own history. I remember very distinctly fifth grade, Doris Day was it and little Capri pants and, you know, perky little, I'm so cute and I'm so wholesome and I'm so da 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 da, you know, and then overnight, like next year, it's bell bottoms, it's Janis Joplin. It's like, you know, it's a whole different energy. And that's to me like the zeitgeist, like suddenly the entire flavor changes. And so what I've put together in my own understanding of this is that the new archetypal seed symbols bring that new energy out mm-hmm. and, and, you know, fold away the activations of energies that come before. That is incredible. Thank you so much. And what it also opens up something for me that I hadn't even connected to because when I made my notes and I was looking at emissary, I think this was actually last week, but about two nights ago or maybe three as I was falling asleep, because if I'm going to have visions more often than not, it's as I'm falling asleep rather than state. Yes. Much more so than in meditation or in my waking time. So, Mm -hmm. um, And I saw some symbols as I was falling asleep and, um, and I can't access them now. I remember one sort of looked like pie there. Like I remember it a likeness to pie, but it wasn't pie. Um, and, and there were just, I want to say there were just like three or four, but I hadn't seen some, I had not seen symbols like that. I have seen geometries. So I was like, oh, what is this? And I have a close friend who's a shaman. And so I, I was like, do you, and I described to him what I had seen. And he, he said it was the fire letters, I think is what Hmm. he was calling them. So, um, but, but again, I can't access, I don't consciously remember what I saw. I just remember I hadn't seen symbols like that. And so as you're saying that I am also like, oh my goodness, I just saw some symbols for the first time like that. And, uh, and I hadn't even made that connection until then. So that's really, that's really wonderful. And I don't think you have to remember it exactly. Like for me, when I started painting, I didn't have, I'm not a like, oh, I took a inner photograph and now I'm going to like bring it out. I did what I do and what I teach in creative process is to open yourself as a channel, you know, and, and to do it in a way that calls forth the highest. So you're opening yourself, but you're not opening yourself uh, willy nilly into subconscious and unconscious and collective consciousness, you know, like, woo, I'm just going to let go of my boundaries, you know, Yeah. (laughs) because information will indeed inundate, you know, and you'll get lots of stuff, but it can be really confusing. I Mm -hmm. think that you have to kind of like invoke the highest and and orient keep your eyes on the prize you know like Mm -hmm. the spiritual eye sort of activated and your your um, spine erect and ready to receive the highest but then you're open and allowing information to come and you don't have to to, to 
copy it from that. Like when I started to paint, the symbols came through and they may or may not have been what was there. But I feel like when you do that, you put yourself in the flow with it. So it'd be very interesting, Kara, if you would play with just drawing and seeing what came out. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. Uh, and and I, I don't have a lot of experience with exploring my creativity through art in the same way. So it's not my natural reaction or instinct to go, oh, let me put pen to paper and see what happens. Not, not to draw anyway, maybe to write, but, um, you know, kinesthetic was great too. Stand up and be the symbol and move your body and let it tell you what it wants to do. Because yeah. the thing is, it's just like working with dreams, you know, uh-huh. like if you have a dream and you can only remember like one little piece of it. I think when you honor it with your attention and then and then hold a space, it becomes like a, a, a salt you know, like a string in a, in a, in a crystal solution where it starts to attract the, the form and shape of, of it. So it becomes magnetic to more information filling in. I love that. And I feel like too, with dreams, it's some, sometimes it's like, okay, there's a dream and I'm trying to remember it, but I, I can feel it. I can't get the details. So the crystals aren't there, but I can feel the energy behind it. And then I'm kind of right. like, Okay, well, I think that's the point is yeah. just to no, call exactly. forth that state. That's exactly right. No, that's exactly yeah. right. And just trust that, you know, especially when you're like on a spiritual path and you're praying and meditating and daily inviting the highest presence of the masters, you know, then you can just say, I'm open to all of your guidance. And, you know, you don't have to go sideways and trace into these as this, that's the source, because the source is always with us. It's the divine presence, and we access it instantly through our attunement to it. Right, right. That's so wise. So, so let's talk about using art, using you know your your channel because you're so connected with this, um, and as a tool for spiritual development. And let's start with art and creativity because I mentioned, you know, art's not really been a a go-to vehicle for me. So I feel like I'm not talented in the art space. You know, like when Jayanti has said, like, you really should consider taking some stuff by day, you know, taking some courses with Dana, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, I'm like, oh my goodness, like I can hardly even hold a paintbrush. Like what, I don't have any business exploring art. I have no talent, but your approach as I've prepared for this, um, podcast, I've learned more about your approach and you've said that we so often think of creativity being a requirement for making art, but it's actually the opposite of that. That's true. So can you please just elaborate on that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, the, the approach that I use, which I've ended up calling transformative arts, um, is is very, very different than uh, anything you run into with normal art teaching classes or education, because actually, in a certain sense, it really has nothing to do with art. <laughs> it's all about consciousness and opening your channel and opening your heart and your soul and 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 becoming the the clear aperture for the divine to flow through. So that's actually all we're paying attention to is that. How can we open the channel? How can we allow the divine energy to flow through us? And what I found though is that the arts are a gifted, miraculously precious means for that. 
like somehow, and since ancient times, you know, mm. around the fire with the masks, the dancing, the drumming, the first pot, you know, everything since the since ancient times, the arts have been the vessel through which you could commune with the infinite, both within and without. And so what we do is we just set up the the, the space for that to happen. And, and that means creating an environment where the prog process is what we pay attention to the product is completely irrelevant so whether you are an extremely gifted artist or an extremely afflicted non-artist that could never draw a stick figure it doesn't matter it's mm -hmm. actually exactly the same because we're not trying to make pretty pictures we're not trying to come up with a product that you can put on your refrigerator and show your friends what we're doing is we're using the engagement with the arts which always always opens up full spectrum knowing see that's the thing is that the arts when we enter into them when we move our bodies through dance when we sing when we um Paint, it, let colors, painting, think of painting as letting colors flow in front of you. Mm -hmm. When we let colors flow in front of us, when we do any of these things, it's like dormant parts of our intelligence go bring and come to life. And we have a much richer awareness. And we also do something in that creative process that is brilliant for the spiritual path and so helpful. And that is we come into the present moment. Mm. When we are in a high vibe creative zone, we are absolutely 100% in the present moment. We've let go of the of the past and the of the future. And we are watching red paint drip down the page and we're splattering blue and we're, and we're moving in a circle and we're singing something. And it's like your, your whole consciousness becomes immersed and awakened in this vibrant present moment and that alone is transformative so people will walk in the door decades i've been doing this year after year time after time hundreds of people same thing they walk in the door and they're like tense and kind of and they're adults they're just adults adults are tense and and um trying to you know be everything and then they sit down and they go i can't do art. I'm not an artist. I have no talent, whatever. And I'm like, great, no problem. You know, but they all say it just about, you know, I just want you to know yeah. I'm terrible at art. I'm like, fabulous. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but within a very short period of time, like a couple of hours, people are like laughing like children and the tension is melted from their faces and they're, and they're moving in their bodies in a more fluid way because what we're doing is entering the kingdom of God, beco become as little children. Mm. How do you get to that inner kingdom state of consciousness? You become as a child and that opens the channel. And then uh, we're not becoming childish or regressing. We're just as adults opening that channel so that the divine flow starts to be vibrant inside of us. And that just starts to, that alone, I mean, there's much more, honestly, but that alone is, is life-changing because it puts you back in touch with your own inner river of inspiration. And that inspiration can come out in cooking or raising children or starting a business or gardening or whatever it is. It doesn't, it doesn't end up necessarily manifesting in you, you now have a home studio and paint all the time. Mm -hmm. That's just a technique to activate and catalyze this opening to your river of creative inspiration that's already there and waiting to flow through you. Yeah, that's 
Brilliant, because I, I want to talk about this in terms of um, whole brain capabilities too, but mm. what you've talked about here, it gives me chills about that river of energy because it's, it is coming into contact with that, that life force that is that everybody has access to, um, but it can be, but some many people, I would say the masses, are lulled into accepting that that's something that is, some people have access to, that some people are born with, and that goes beyond art, as you say. But it, it's it, it's so key to to embodying more of who we are, to embodying more of our higher selves and really experiencing like multidimensionality just as far as more completeness. And, 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 uh, but it was interesting just recently, I was watching something in the, these children who have these like psychokinetic uh, capabilities were trying to describe how to do it essentially <laughs> and they were like uh well you know you just you kind of invite that energy in and then you can you can feel it like it comes in and and then you just you recognize like there it is <laughs> and it was just so sweet it was so innocent and it was so spot on but it's also like how can you understand that if you haven't experienced that flow or you haven't recognized or you haven't like opened yourself up to it and recognized it when it's appearing, you know? Right. Which is why I'm so happy and grateful to do this work because all the words we're using are great, but the brilliance of transformative arts is that it happens really quickly and easily for everyone. Like, you know, it's just, it doesn't take that much. You just have to sort of really set the space and, and, you know, you're, I, I train because I have a training program in it. I train others because basically what you're doing is you're being a midwife of the creative process. The midwife knows that the life force energy is, you know, greater than I, and I'm serving the emergence of creative flourishing in another human being. And the midwife, you know, is not making it happen. They're just supporting it. And even what's different, for instance, from a midwife to a doctor, a doctor might be, you know, let's get this birth happening. You know, it's slowing down. Let's give them some Pitocin or whatever. You know, the midwife might be going, slow it down. They need to rest. speed it up it's time to push you know so Mm. it's a subtle nuance thing but you're serving the emergence of the creative um genius in the in the person and so that's what we're doing and it doesn't it doesn't take much it's Mm. it's so miraculously easy um in the in the right you know with the right sort of space and catalyst yeah that's beautiful so let let us talk about that um, awakening using this transformative art method to awaken dormant whole brain capabilities, and and I'm familiar with the different roles of, of the right and left hemispheres and um, and the opportunities that are presented when we create the neural pathways that unify this. Um, but can you can you help our listeners a little bit if they're unfamiliar about the importance of whole brain operation and and then also how art assists with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this kind of ties into what you were saying about this being in our culture. It's a larger picture, right? We've mm-hmm. been in the past few hundred years in a very linear left 
brain modality, mm-hmm. you know, and our education system was generated and created during the rise of the factory model, hand in glove with materialism, looking for the bricks and mortar of the universe, you know, so um, we trained people to be able to think very well in linear ways and to, uh, you know, uh, be compliant essentially, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, uh, and to, and so that was the pr- predominant m- mode of thinking and intelligence that has been completely supported in our SATs and our entry exams and our colleges and in school all the way through, you know, it's like, as Ken, Sir Ken Robinson says, it's even based on date of manufacture, you know, <laughs> when you, <laughs> when you're born, you get to tell what year you get to start to school. And, you know, it's not about just emotional, even mm. though that's a vivid part of it, it's also an orchestrating intelligence, a whole context intelligence. And so as an example, I often give like their um, birds also have dual hemispheres and, and, and early on in evolution, it kind of gives you a clearer picture of it. Like one part of the brain picture a bird is looking on the ground and, and trying to decide this, is this food or is this not food? Is this a grain of corn that I can eat or is it a rock? right? Mm -hmm. And that's the question process. Is it or is it not? So that's binary thinking. Mm -hmm. Binary is yes, no, and it is or it isn't. It's very clear and delineated. Wonderful mode of intelligence. It gives us the computer, which runs on binary intelligence. You know, I mean, basically circuits are going open or closed, open or closed, open or closed. That's, that's a whole mode of intelligence. So we don't want to dump it. But what's missing is the part of the bird that is also simultaneously fielding the entire environment around it, noticing things in case of a predator, right? Right. So if, if there's a rustle in the leaves over here, or if there's a sound of something um, to the other side, that part of the intelligence does not say it is or it isn't. It says, what is it? What Mm. could it be? It stays open. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's the sunlight in the leaves. Maybe it's a frog jumping. Maybe it's a tiger. We don't know yet. And so that part of us continues to gather information without uh, landing in, in a, a judgment about it. So it's that's a very important difference. The right brain continues to feel into and gather information in a space of the unknown. It doesn't know and it refuses to preclude options by closing down into a false sense of, of knowing what is and, or what is not. It is the opposite, in a sense, of the binary. It's like always multiple choice, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what is so important in our times, because we are, in many respects, in our global world situation, we are out of linear time. Had we been a little more on top of it 40 years ago when they were saying the climate change was coming, maybe we would have done things a little different, but we weren't. So we're mm-hmm. out of time in a lot of ways. And linear solutions are, are very slow and cumbersome and are not up to the task. We have to actually draw from a wider field more information that's coming from outside of our current systems that's drawn from the ancient future. And the future being that information which is emergent and coming to us from what has not yet existed. And this is what happens absolutely tangibly in the creative process that trains all of us to be channels of, of, 
of revelation, essentially, because what happens is you are engaged and there's part of you that is creating and part of you that is receiving. It's like the breath of Brahma, you know, part mm. of you is is receiving in a receptive mode that the right brain gives us that lunar current that is receiving without judgment. Um, and then the, the the left brain, you know, can can be enacting or choosing, but it's a dance, and and so it's it, it is about emotion, but I think it's also about fundamental orientations to the world that come from our mode of intelligence, and we are in desperate need of a whole brain in this time, not mm -hmm. just going to right brain touchy feelings. I mean, you know, that is a point. We can't just get lost in it. You know, mm -hmm. we have a society that is not even necessarily attained rational and they're often operating in pre-rational. So we can't just dissolve discrimination and go into full feeling. But but if we integrate the right and the left hemisphere or these modes of knowing, the part of us that comes from what we already know and the part, and that's the past, the archival, and bring it into the present moment where you stand in a space of the creative possibility and you don't know anything. You are letting yourself be comfortable with, I don't know what's gonna happen next. Mm -hmm. And when that becomes a comfortable space, and then you're starting to receive information and possibilities. And then that starts to come from that, that, that nourishes an inspiration. The river starts to flow. Mm. And so that's how I see it. And that's literally happens in the classes. I mean, you can just see it. People open up a part of their being that is wider and more open to all possibility. And so of course it ties in with super consciousness, which we know from yoga, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the subconscious has all these old patterns. The conscious mind is like on the hamster wheel going, nee, 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 I know what I'm doing and, and I'm going to keep researching more and I'm going to get more data and I'm going to, but it's all very uh, conscious. And the super conscious is like, I don't know, but I'm opening to receive information that is outside my, my little box. Mm, I love that. And when we do talk about the, the two hemispheres of the brain and, and you talking about being in, you know, when you are in that right hemisphere and you're, you know, we don't want to shut down the left brain. It just, it does make me recall the, uh, the story of Dr. Jill Bolte Taylor, my stroke of insight um, yeah. and she's been a guest on this podcast, so I'll put a link to her, um, her episode in the show notes too, in case people want to learn more about this, because it's fascinating. And in case any listeners don't know, I know that Dana, you're nodding your head, you're familiar with her, but yeah. she, she had a stroke at the age of 37, I believe it was, and it shut down the left hemisphere of her brain. So she was complete and she was a Harvard, she worked at Harvard, um, as a neurologist, a neuroscientist. And so she did all this brain research and realized as it was happening that she was having a stroke. And her reaction at the time was, cool, I'm experiencing a stroke, you know, because she'd studied it for so long. How fascinating. Uh, I would have noticed everything about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm getting this inside tour of what it's like to have a stroke. Um, but she t is beautifully tells the story of what it's like to have your left hemisphere shut down and right. completely be in the right hemisphere of the brain and what an experience that is where you know you you lose the language you lose the discrimination you lose the judgment you lose you know 
so much, but you gain so much of, I love the story, the part of her story where she talks about her mom entering the hospital um, and, and like, she didn't have, she didn't know who it was. She didn't have a word for mom, but she, it was just the feeling like the, that her mom entered the room and it just changed everything in the room. And mm-hmm. she just felt this love and that she was so drawn to her and she felt safe. And, you know, it's just this gorgeous mother daughter, you know, where you, when you don't have words for it. And then part of her recovery was, was recovering so she could be functional, but not losing that because she had been, you know, this left-brained, you know, cherishing the left hemisphere um, through just her training and how she was as a person. So um, I think that's a great backdrop to um, to understand more more fully. But you did a great job, also. Just yeah, but no, it no, goes absolutely. Well. I love her work, and in my transformative art certificate program, my students all watch that because it's a very incredible you know, presentation. Here she is just marking moment by moment aware of the process as it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And the the right brain allows the non-local aspect, you know, and that's where you had to ask earlier about quantum physics. Um, You know, that's part of how that ties in, you know, that there's a part of us that is non-localized. That's the, the consciousness that is uh, spatially very extended and not as uh, uh, focused on the boundary between self and world. Mm. And then the the left brain is very aware of time and you know its its place in time and space. And it's and it's very clear the difference between my individual unit and the world around me. Mm-hmm. And so you know that's another place where that wholeness is being so called for in this time. Yeah, because we have to be able to feel into and receive and experience our connection with all of life, with nature, with the world. You know, we can't harm the world in the way we are if we actually have perception of that. We can mm-hmm. only end up in the place we're at with our society and with the, you know, with the crisis of the climate through being very um, atomized, materialistic, separate parts. I am unique and distinct from you and what, you know, there's just a, there's a whole per, per, uh, model of, it's like billiard bars. It's like people are billiard balls on the, on the Newtonian pool table, you know, yeah. and we're hitting each other and bouncing off of each other. It's a very atomic uh, particle view. And, and, and we are in a time when we are needing to move into the wave phenomenon and experience how light is both particle and wave. It also means that consciousness, I mean, it doesn't, that's a whole other story. I don't want to get too philosophical because I don't want to reduce spirituality and consciousness to science because I think that's the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. What the yogis say is that that realm always mirrors and reflects higher realms, you know? So, but it's like, basically they're, they're, they're fractally resonant with each other, you know? So Mm -hmm. the, the fact that it happens in light, this particle and wave and in particles in general, um, this also happens in us in consciousness and in our collective consciousness, you know, and we've been in a period of time where the particle was the dominant modality and it's a separate, isolated entity. And we are in a time when we need to sync up with 
like um, murmuring. I don't know if you know that phrase, but it's what no. birds do when they flock or fish when they, you know, it's like oh. the murmuring. It's like, it's like connecting to the collective in a way that moves in synchronistic wholeness, but that's the, that wholeness is not found um, exclusively in the individual. It's found in the whole of the relationship. Mm. And so, but, you know, all of the connections so that the bird flock just moves as if, instantly and it's not like they're going hey you know guys we're going to turn left up here you know so yeah. <laughs> there's not particle to particle communication there's waveform um connection and mm-hmm. that's what's being called for for us for us to move out of linear time and make changes that can happen faster than linear time can ever come up with mm-hmm. and so that is you know tuning into emergent zeitgeist patterns that are coming forth and emergent in this time that bring us greater connection wholeness harmony and all so that anyway that's kind of a little glint of how I see that that is fascinating. I'd never really thought, I mean, I know that wave or particles, you know, the diff particles and waves and, but I hadn't thought about it in terms of the collective like that before. That's fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So let's talk about the transformative arts certificate program because people can be trained to be facilitators for this mm-hmm. or midwives, shall we say? Facilitators is good, you know, because it's men too. And I mean, men and women, it's not just a, it's like, um, um, I mean, obviously a man can be a midwife, but I'm just saying Mm -hmm. that is part of what we're doing, but it's facilitation and it's holding Mm -hmm. the space and it's learning how to, um, you know, really be the person who is creating the sacred vessel of the transformative studio and then serving as a presence and a, and a guide, a gentle guide for that process of emergence in the, in the person that's in the creative process. And so it has two levels and level one is always like your own experience and going through your own transformative process. And level two is learning how to midwife that process in others. And so it's, it's, I think it's really, um, well, obviously I'm doing it. So I have this opinion, but I think it's really an important work for our time because, um, well, like, let's say 10 years ago, nobody had heard of a personal coach or hardly anybody had, you know, like mm-hmm. personal coach, why would you want, you know, yeah. and now it's very common and lots of people are getting that help. That's what it's going to be like more and more for the arts, mm-hmm. for the transformative art process, because as people open up and expand, they just want guides in that process and, and catalysts. And it is the kind of thing where a very short but powerful experience can just break you open and you go, whoa, there's a whole territory of myself that I now can access and know is real for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's what we do in this training program. And Jayanti is, is a part of that. Mm-hmm. And it's just been a, it's been a really beautiful process. For me, it's been developing the techniques and the, and the methods and modalities for decades because I, you know, in my 20s, I got my degree in consciousness studies at John F. Kennedy. And there was a lot of program of art and consciousness was a big part of what I studied. And that was ancient techniques of using art for healing as well as contemporary art therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so over the decades, I've developed like the the, sort of like the fastest way in, you know, Mm -hmm. like I know how to jump into that space with people 
very quickly and to help them overcome the resistances that people have. Mm -hmm. Because it's, in a way, it's a little scary because I think on some level, we know that there's a huge part of us that has been cut off and is inside. And there's grief for that being cut off. And there's, you know, what will happen if I bring it out? And so there is a little bit of resistance there or, you know, false assumptions that come from our culture, like, oh, you're not an artist because you can't copy a picture, mm-hmm. you know? That's the um, the representational culture, represent what has already been done versus yeah. the generative culture that draws forth what has never existed yet. Mm. That's amazing. So, So are these, is it all available online? Do, do you have to be live to do this? Is it accessible for anybody across well, the it, world? It used, to be, it used to be all on site. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm now putting more and more of it online, but not all of it. Like there's okay. a component that at this point, I'm quite not quite ready to give up that there's at least a section um, on site because it is such a um, osmosis, you know, like there's a, mm-hmm. a real feeling vibration that happens so right now there's on-site in Italy and then I'm planning on um, every other year doing an on-site in west coast mm-hmm. um, United States um, but uh, yeah right now several of the people who are coming to Italy this summer are people that I've never met because so far they've taken all the classes on online and I do have besides the certificate there's all kinds of classes you can just take mm-hmm. you don't have to be in a big program and so some of those are really I was surprised how well they work. I, I didn't think it could be done, I must say. And so there are online courses that will be, can be very transformative, um, even online. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I, I want, I'd like to just pivot a little bit here to talk about your own inspiration. You gave, you gave us a, a um, gift with talking about the emissary and the inspiration that came from that. Um, I don't know if you want to share a little bit more about broader inspiration across your works. Yeah. Yeah, if um, I waited for all those moments of revelation, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have much. Yeah. <laughs> they don't happen that often. <laughs> but um, but what I do a lot of times, I mean, I work with creative process, and in the classes, I mean, I, I work with the same things I'm teaching, mm-hmm. and in the classes, every time we engage in creative process, we get messages, and so we actually explore what we've created, not. We don't analyze it. We don't go, oh, look at this. It could use a little more red for the composition or, you know, mm-hmm. but we, we use the work we create to explore what has come forth and what does it have to say. And sometimes you'll paint something and then we'll embody it. And, the, and, 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 and let's say you're in that painting and you're like, I am the blue or I am the red. And it'll have expressions that come out, you know, of mm-hmm. you that, that give you a lot of insight. And I also work a lot with collage and collage is amazing in that regard. So I'm going to, I'm going to get one real quick. Mm-hmm. Let's just take a second. Hang on. Okay. Because I can show you this. Yeah. So this is um, a recent collage that I just did and I'll explain it for people who are not uh, watching something, uh-huh. but um, so in this collage and I did this in like, three minutes because I was leading a group and I was facilitating the process and then we were closing up and people were cleaning up and I just grabbed images and threw it onto a page and put them together because I didn't have time to do anything else but I so love and trust the process I knew it was going to be amazing 
And so um, one of the images is um, a pole that has all these direction signs on it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, north, south, east, west, or 2,500 miles to Moscow, or, you know, it just kind of orients you. And, um, and, and when I picked that image, I was like, no, I don't want that image Uh, because I've, because I've been in exile from Italy through COVID, you know, and I, and I've had to travel and stay at different places, which has been great. I mean, it's been a grace, but it wasn't my plan. Right. I mean, I wanted an image of a, of a couch with a cat and a cup of tea, you know, please give me some stability. No, we have signs like going, going this way, going that way, traveling all over. And then there was this guy who just had his hands up. And I think it was kind of like, I struck me because this is sort of how I pray. I put my hands up and look up. It's like a sense of when I pray with my in, in my own space, and so he's looking up, and then there was the galaxies and the universe, and um, so I'm going, huh. and then I didn't really know what it meant exactly, but when we embodied it, it was incredible. So when I'm embodying the post with all of the signs, I'm turning around, and I'm literally in the embodiment, starting to get dizzy, and like, oh my god, like I don't know where I am, I don't know what's up where am I? I couldn't wait to not be embodying that. <laughs> but it was good information, right? It was like, huh, okay, that's information. I'm not going to say no to it because I'm not binary right now. I'm right brain. I'm allowing that information to be present without having to know what it is mm-hmm. yet. So then I embody the guy looking up to the cosmos and suddenly I felt now I am stable because what I am basing my direction on is not north, south, east, west. It is the divine. Uh, that is where I am stabilizing. I cannot stabilize on earth right now. Earth mm-hmm. is unstable. I can stabilize through, the, through looking up and making my pole star where I draw my orientation in time and space. And so that was a very profound experience to feel that. And it's helped me a lot. Because I have been going through personal life process around the instability of this time. And it would let, it helped me to let go. It helped me to to stop freaking out about what country am I going to be in? You know, like, hey, come take a workshop with me. Let me just figure out what continent I'm going to be in. It helped me to let go of that and just feel I'm being completely divinely guided. And wherever I am that's where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And Divine Mother will moment by moment deliver me to the place that it's right for me to be. Mm-hmm. So if I can just let go of needing to know where it is in time and space, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I love that. So it just, so you're just like drawn, but you don't know why, like there's no like, oh, I like this. I don't, you know, you're really, that's a great example of just being in that flow and then coming back. And it so does remind me of the dream state as well and trying to get more information, more, you know, again, not judgment, not like, oh, well, sometimes that does come up. Oh, I don't like what I'm seeing here or, you know, this scares me or, um, but what is the information? If I can just get the information what and be neutral because sometimes the That's things it. that seem like they represent something I don't want to look at, they actually are, they're representing something different. Absolutely. And that's where it ties in with yoga. Yoga says the path of yoga says, you know, 
get beyond like and dislike. Mm-hmm. Don't get caught up in like and dislike. Oh, I love this. Oh, I hate this. Oh, I like this. I don't like this. And like and dislike happen on the surface and it goes, oh, I like this image. It's a pink Cadillac. I don't like this image. It's a slimy eel, you know, right. and, and, and it picks according to what the mind wants to see and think for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the soul and psyche has much deeper, higher information than that. But you have to hold yourself in a place of, you know, following the the the, the flow, following mm-hmm. the, the inner intuitive sensibility. So I often say, look for what has juju, has shakti, has energy. And some of that will be beautiful, glorious, positive things that you go, oh, I like this. And some of it will be, I'm not sure I like this, you know? Yeah. But they always end up being powerful. I remember I chose the eel as, as an example just then, because I did an, a collage in the past where it had eels in it. And I was like, oh my God, please, do I really <laughs> have to have eels in my collage? I don't want eels. They're ugly. They're scary. And then it, as I worked with it, it was super Shakti Kundalini energy. You know, oh. how can you not like Kundalini energy, right? Oh, so gosh. it's just like you don't know until yeah. you allow it to inform you as it becomes uh, emergent in your psyche as you're open to it. Mm. Beautiful. Amazing. Well, okay, this has just been, this has been such a, such a joy. You're so full of inspiration and divine flow. You're just overflowing with, uh, (laughs) with so much, with so much knowledge and, um, wisdom. It's been, it's just been fascinating to talk to you. Thank you so much for making the time and for your patience and uh, we didn't even really get to half my notes. So maybe you want to come back sometime because Absolutely. I think there's so much to talk about. I would so love to, to and I'm so grateful, really. What you're doing is fabulous. Oh, and I am you. really looking forward to you being in one of the classes. I, yeah. I really hold that space. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm going to go look because I think there's huge potential here. And you are a really gifted teacher. I can see that very clearly already. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it would be a joy. Good. Thank you so much, Dana. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Be sure you check out Dana Lynn Anderson. You can find her at DanaLynnAnderson.com and The Awakening. Actually, it's just AwakeningArtsAcademy.com. And you can look into her transformative art certificate and all of the courses that she has online. And she has her gallery of work that is available as well. She's got some really high, high frequency, high vibrational work out there. So I do encourage you to check her out. And please share this episode. You can subscribe and rate, review, all of that assists in keeping this the energy going, keeping the light shining. So I appreciate your help so much in that regard. So thank you again, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation. Mm-hmm.